Hello everybody, welcome to Take the Black Live. I am Dan Selke, the editor of Winter is Coming. I'm here with Mia Johnson of Fancenter.com, Cheryl Wassenaar being on vacation in, I want to say Missouri. Missouri. <laughs> yes. So I am not Cheryl, but I am happy to provide my commentary with you, Dan. It is, and this is a special episode because this is actually, just for those of you who are watching for a while, hello Julie, hello Terry, Christian, uh, Sue. This is going to be the last episode we do in this studio. Yeah. We are actually moving offices, so we're actually going to be off next week, but after that we'll be in a brand new studio. I don't even know what it's going to look like. It's going to be state of the art. It's stressful, but we have some things to help us through. <laughs> like this bubble wrap. I found this when we were packing up stuff, and I'm like, oh, sweet. Okay, I can use this during today's show. It's a so prop. this is strictly an ASMR podcast from here on out, so get ready for that. ASMR, take the ASMR black, that kind of thing. All right, so thanks for being here, Amanda. Thanks yeah. for filling in for Cheryl. I thought we would start off talking about, there's a lot to cover. There's a lot of big stuff coming up. Yeah. Um, San Diego Comic-Con, obviously, is around the corner. You're going to go to that. Oh, I am. You'll be I interviewing am. folks. It'll be very, very exciting. Yep. Uh, Stranger Things just aired. We watched some of that. But let's start with Game of Thrones. Start in our home, our home base. Yes. What's happening in the wide world of Game of Thrones? You know, okay, so you, by the way, were not a Game of Thrones super fan like I was, but you did catch up to see the final season, exactly. right? Exactly. I have a complicated past with Game of Thrones. <laughs> I watched it up from season one to three. I was betrayed by Red Wedding, <laughs> so I like <laughs> dropped out. Uh, and when this final season came, I was like, okay, I got to kind of catch up and make right. sure that I can, you know, get some event. great stuff out for writing for Culturist and Fansighted. And you were around for the epic blowback that, I mean, it was kind of historic. Did you ever take on that? Against D&D? Oh, I mean, I, I think it's the show in general. I in think a general, lot of people did not enjoy the final season. So how, how was that for you as someone who really wasn't embedded in the fandom yeah. like, like, like I kind of was throughout the intervening years? Yeah, I could. I mean, when you watch any sort of TV show or movie, you're, there's that storytelling aspect to it. Mm -hmm. And so I think you can just kind of sense, like, even if I'm not a super fan of this or if I, you know, like, you can tell when things are rushed or when characters don't seem fully developed. Mm -hmm. And I did get that sense. I really kind of got back on the saddle with Game of Thrones and, you know, with Daenerys and, and some of, like, Jon Snow stuff being left out. I was like, I would have liked to know more about this. Uh, and so I think I was on the fence where I was like, eh, this could have been a little bit better. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting because, I mean, like, I'm so, like, kind of involved day-to-day -day with, like, the people who were just, like, yeah. there all the time. It's good to get some yeah. of perspective. Um, are you looking forward at all to the prequel series that's coming up? You know what? I am a little bit curious because, well, as I was digging through, like, all the lore and all that stuff, I was like, you know what? This is actually kind of interesting. Uh, it does have a lot of lore. Oh, show. yeah. Like, you can't say that <laughs> yeah. against it. It's got a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of there there, you know? Exactly. And so, like, even as a casual fan, like, okay, there's no Jon Snow. There might, will there, might, will there be dragons? No, no dragons. Okay, so no dragons. That's off the table. But, uh, I mean, at the same time, I think it's a premise worth, like, exploring that. You know, someone like me might, might have to jump on the HBO Now <laughs> bandwagon again, get that free trial. Well, uh, apparently now it's HBO Max. You heard this? That's right. Like, that's their new thing. HBO Max. Now that AT and T bought them, there's going to be HBO. I, where it's not clear, I think they're going to get rid of HBO Go and HBO Now, and it's just all going to be HBO Max, which will yeah. include all HBO content plus like, like Time Warner or other stuff. Yeah, all that. I mean, I I like them combining it because right now there's just 
too much for me to keep track of I kind of, of do anyway. too, actually. Like, my fear is that it'll all go splintering all over the place. But, I mean, okay, you got to yeah. consolidate it. I guess that's good. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if they, if they offer me a free trial, I will, I will watch. <laughs> we get... <laughs> We can get a free trial off off fans headed maybe. And Julie, of course, mentions that we can get the, the, the give the banners a good ironing. I did try, Julie. I Aww. literally I steamed them. Like people, I have witnesses here and everything. It just didn't super duper take. Oh, and they're gonna be boxed up again when we have to move. <laughs> they so are it's be just. Boxed up again. But I did try. I steamed. I had a steamer. I swear to God, I was everything. I'm so stressed. Anyway. Um, George R. R. Martin, the author of Song of and Fire, came out and gave some more details about the prequel. Let me yeah. see if any of this piques your interest. Ooh. Some new details. Okay. So, yeah. Thousands of years ago. No characters we know. Mm-hmm. Not even Melisandre's been born yet. Probably. Um, it's a period of Westeros where there aren't seven kingdoms. There aren't 12 kingdoms. There are, like, hundreds. It's mm-hmm. like prehistory where, you know, there's no leader yet. There's no one king. It's like yeah. it's little petty clans. So, that's one little detail. Okay. Also given us uh, no Lannisters. They're not around yet. The Starks are around because they've been around for a long-ass Ooh. time. So they'll be there. White Walkers are around. Targaryens are not around. Mm-hmm. Um, Casterly Rock, the Lannister home base, is around. And we think that one of the big plots will probably be... You know what? You don't know this stuff, so I can explain it to you. I, yeah, please. <laughs> I'm all ears. Um, an ancient kind of a fake legend in mm-hmm. this fake world, in this fake book series, Okay. is that... Are, are you familiar with what Casterly Rock is? Vaguely, very yeah. vaguely. It's like the Lannister home base. Okay, okay. We see it once. Like, it's not really a big yeah. focus in the show. But uh, legend has it that it was used to be owned by the House Casterly, believe it or not. Ah. Where it got its name. Wow, who would have known? And the Lannister family starts when a trickster type, known only to history as Lan the Clever, Ooh. tricks the Casterlys into giving him Casterly Rock, and thus the Lannister family is born. And Lan would go on to have... Descendants, who are also experts at trickery and lying and stuff like that. You know what? I like the premise. I love a little uh, mischief making. Yeah, I think it sounds kind of good. <laughs> and you know what? I it's like I I feel like it'll just appeal to pretty much anyone who loves fantasy, unless it just like takes a deep dive and it's just like terrible. Which I mean, I mean it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. I think I think they know what they're doing. But I mean, I think all you have to do is say the Starks. Starks won this last season anyway, so yeah. that's a that's a seller already. They have some built-in viewers, definitely. Mm, yeah. And I mean, like it, it's it's good they're getting some fresh blood. They have um, Jane Goldman as the showrunner. Mm. She did some interesting stuff with uh, I think Kick-Ass, a couple of the movies. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, not a bad movie. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, a whole new cast, very diverse and very uh, like an ensemble thing. I love Naomi Watts is going to be a part of it. Are you a fan of her at all? I've, I'll be a fan today. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly do like her a lot. Really? Mulholland Drive is my jam. Hey. And uh, Miranda Richardson's in it too, so that's pretty impressive. Okay. So yeah, I think it has some, some good bones. Yeah. And they're only making a pilot. Like, if it's terrible, they won't order it to series. Really? Does that surprise you? It kind of surprised me. It does. I thought... At this point, like, with their faith in Game of Thrones, they would have ordered just the full season. But, I mean, if HBO wants to test the waters, then they can go ahead and people will watch. If they won't, well, <laughs> they didn't I, waste their time. I agree with you that I was surprised that they wouldn't just order a full season of it. And Cheryl yeah. has been resisting me and saying that, I don't know, because the Game of Thrones pilot was legendarily kind of rough and they had to reshoot a bunch of it. Mm. But, I mean, it's Game of Thrones. I, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's your biggest thing. I feel like we've gotten to the point 
where we can just kind of feel the waters out and know that, okay, this production level is going to be great. There's not much that needs to change. Sure. And it kind of has me curious, like, okay, if they put out the pilot, then they are going to have to wait, like, some extra time for, like, to make the rest of the episodes. So are, like, we just left in a waiting period? Like, well, I can't wait to figure out what happens next. I mean, I don't think they would put out the pilot, see how we like it, and then I think they would... I think they would look at the pilot okay. and be like, okay, go film some more. Film a whole that season. That makes more sense. Let the and then they'll film it all together. That and then it'll just be weird. Like, you know, the characters will, wow, she was like 11 in the pilot and she suddenly looks 13. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> it's not going to be that. It's not going to be a, um, what's that X-Men? New, it's not going to be New Mutants. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to be like a time capsule movie. It's going to be like Maisie Williams, how she was she was like 15 years old or something when Whoops, it finally comes out. CGI, everybody. <laughs> okay, so that's where we are in that. Having a good time. Um, in other news, I am going to Con of Thrones this weekend. Oh, the yeah. premier uh, Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire convention in Nashville, Tennessee. Whoa. I think it's pretty cool. I, I don't go to a ton of these. Um, I'll be in a few panels. I'll be on, okay, tell me what this is. I'll be on um, How Game of Thrones Changed Television. That'll mm-hmm. be fun. Richard is going to come, by the way, over there. Hi, Richard. Yay. Thank you. Um, I'll be on. The spinoff panel, talking about that cool. and our feelings about it, my deeply uh, held insights. And it'll be on Journeys and Cersei Lannister, all about that uh, character arc <laughs> all from about start that to Cersei. So, okay, so this is a new con. What con did you do last Same year? Same one. It's been, th- okay. it's the third one. Oh, it's the third one. It's third always in Nashville? annual. No, it was in Nashville and then Dallas and Nashville again. Okay. Hmm. Keeping it out. So do you consider yourself, I guess this is a weird question, like... Mm-hmm. An expert authority, like enough oh, to yeah. to like handle yourself in a panel. That just seems. Come no, on, I do this all the like every day. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you you know way more than me. I don't even know why I know. that's a question. <laughs> I have such a compendium of useless information that is really. I mean, if I can, yes, I should definitely be on panels at a Game of Thrones convention. Sell yourself. That's like what I can do with this with this knowledge base. Yeah. <laughs> the uses are so few. This is and, one of the okay, few. Okay, so then the next question is, are you having an autograph session afterwards and photos? <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> no, I am not. Uh, I don't think I'm quite there yet. Okay, you know, okay. We'll get we'll give, get to that. Give it a year. <laughs> I've requested to like interview the people who play like Jamie Lannister. Yeah. It's going to be there. I'm not sure. They haven't gotten back to me like with whether I can yet. Okay. They just sent me an email like we'll figure that out pretty quick. So, maybe I will. I don't know. Yeah. We'll find out. So will other, like, cast members? Yeah, a bunch. There'll be the guy, uh, Jamie, who's probably the biggest okay. one. The guy who played Sam will be there. Oh, yeah. Gendry, he's fun. Um, uh, the Gilly, Sam's girlfriend, and, and a bunch of others, and some crew members, and too. So it, it should be a fun time. Um, no one like Daenerys isn't going to be there, Jon Snow, but they will be at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. Which is the other, I mean, Con of Thrones is, I think, Probably the, the biggest pop culture event in July, but we're, we're right under that. Second right runner up. Right under is San Diego Comic Con. But seriously, this is a, a huge event, and yeah. it's very exciting that you're going. What are you looking forward to seeing, and what are you going to be doing? I, well, if you know me, I am more of a Marvel person. That is my sure. useless database of knowledge that's all kept up in here. Um, and so Marvel is going to have a ton of stuff there. They're going to do a really big presentation in Hall H. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to announce the next slate of movies. They haven't oh, said yet. That's pretty cool. But they're, like, keeping it under locks. They're like, well, we're going to have, like, our president there, and he's just going to bring out some guests. Is that Feige? Feige, yeah, okay, Kevin cool. Feige. So 
I am hoping, well, I think they're going to announce Black Widow. They're going to talk sure. about um, some of the other movies like Black Panther sequel, probably. I really want them <laughs> to bring out Keanu Reeves and say that he's going to be in Eternals. <laughs> That's my one hope. He is having just a <laughs> big old second act right now. He's having a huge year. So it's like if he's going to be at E3, why not bring him to San Diego Comic-Con? Just do it already. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if there's any guaranteed crowd pleaser, just like bring them out on something that doesn't have to do anything to do with them. Pretty much. Bring them out on the good place panel. <laughs> yes, are you in the good place? No. But Watch here's, it. Here's Keanu Reeves. You're breathtaking. <laughs> You're breathtaking. I love that so much. I, I'll watch that any time of the day. That. He is in his Matthew McConaughey's period. Ooh. When he went through a big thing a couple of years back. Keanu Reeves is coming back around, and it's all Keanu Reeves right now. I don't know who's going to pop next of, like, the older stars. Um, It'll come. <laughs> and Aguilera since, maybe. Well, moving on. Can't talk about Keanu the whole podcast, as no. much as I love to. But uh, speaking of Good Place, you did say Good Place. I have my name on the list for Good Place interviews. Uh, I be believe... Great. Uh, it's going to be, you know, Ted Danson, Kristen Bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Kristen <laughs> There's so Bell. many Kristens in this world. Um, and Jamila Jamil and cool. everyone else. So it's going to be all roundtable. So not one-on-one necessarily. But if I get to sit right next to him, it'll feel like one-on-one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Kristen. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Um, are you, by any chance, going to be able to go to the Game of Thrones uh, panel? Because I'm interested in that. I would love, love, love to be in on that, except for the lines are just, it's, I can't it's something out of this world. When you like actually go there and um, there's lines out the door, like literally people are in tents and in sleeping bags, and it just goes on as far as I can see. Is that, is that for any Hall H panel? Or uh, just for mostly, the... yeah. Some people just go in like at the beginning of the day and they're like, they're like I'm parking it. <laughs> I am not leaving. And it's a good strategy <laughs> because you've been sleeping out overnight. That is not going to be me unless HBO <laughs> wants to send me, you know, like a reservation. I'll be there in your honor. Uh, oh, but, totally, yeah. But if not, I will have to pass on Game of Thrones panel just because the lines, the lines, the lines. I can't imagine, like, paying the money to go to San Diego Comic-Con and then spending it, like, in a giant line. That seems so backwards to me. But if you do it, great. Have a lot of fun. For those who don't know, Hall H is, like, the big the huge, yeah. the big hall for, con- for the Comic-Con panels. Yeah. Where all the important stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, important. Insofar as it's about superheroes and dragons and stuff. Yeah. Uh, gets announced. It all happens in Hall H. But, yeah, I mean, in a way, if you're, like, truly a fan of this, like, if you just love Game of Thrones, you got to see Amelia Clark. I mean, sure, it's worth lining up, being in a sleeping bag. And, I mean, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to defend the fans <laughs> here. And sorry, he's, <laughs> to each their okay, own. I'll sorry, say that God. much. Truly. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little, frankly, afraid that um, there might be... In, in terms of, like, the backlash the show has received. Yeah. And, again, I'm online. I see, like, these people who are kind of, like, saying some silly things oh, yeah. about uh, what they'd like to do during the Game of Thrones panel. I mean, I don't think anybody's actually make it, it, it's going to have it get ugly with the, with, with the showrunners up there. Yeah. Hopefully they're just blowing off steam. I think the fans... It might just be kind of like that internet facade where it's like, yeah, I'm angry and I'm yeah, upset, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm going to come out, I'm going to have a good time, and I'm not going to let that stuff bother me. I just want to see everybody. 
Oh, that does remind me, though. Last year, mm -hmm. when I was at San Diego Comic Con. By the way, Julia, yes. Julia agrees with me. Hates lineups. Wouldn't do it for anyone <laughs> or anything. All right, all I'm right. I'm with you, Julie. <laughs> but maybe like a roller coaster but if it's like over 20 minutes no, no. yeah I, I i am not a line person so i will i'll leave it at that um but last year when i went to comic con i attended a taping of conan conan o'brien does oh, cool. his show for the weekend of comic con i was there for the um the glass panel with samuel jackson right. director that director um oh uh you know his name the twist the guy twist. <laughs> Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan was there as well. And he got booed. No, out did he really? Because of Avatar. <laughs> I did not, of Avatar? I did not participate in such booing, but yeah, he, when he did the, um, the live action version of the Nickelodeon's Avatar. Wasn't that like a decade ago? People are still upset. <laughs> Wait, okay, let me just get this straight. You were there for the glass panel one year ago, two years ago? This was last year, right, at Conan. And people booed for the last Airbender live-action movie that was made, I'm pretty sure, in, like, the first decade of the 2000s. Yeah. Not even, like, the teens. Yeah, people were big mad. <laughs> so, I'm, I don't... In that case, you are doomed, Game of Thrones showrunners. Yeah. Just run. If they are, are that mad about a 10-year-old movie... Oof. Yeah, there there might be some booers. I I won't say you know for sure, uh, but I mean okay. Let's think about it though. If you did line up, did you come all this way to heckle yeah. the show? <laughs> okay. People are spiteful creatures. Okay, it's a dark world we live in. <laughs> That's weird. I did not know that. Yeah. So yeah. did what? We'll move on. But like, what what happened? Did he was he graceful next? Like was did, did it I persist? Yeah, he, I mean, it wasn't like a huge boo, like, you know, like unanimous. It's a huge theater. So sure. there was a, a small group of fans there who showed their unsupport for the movie. Uh, but Ten I mean, years later. I mean, for the most part, they were just there to talk about glass and, and, and Sarah Paulson was there. Which so that also was, that was also good. Yeah. So they, I think they just had to kind of like move on and be like, okay, we're here to talk about what we want to talk about, not my past mess ups okay it's gonna be interesting yeah. i'll be watching closely i hope it goes well <laughs> all right um in other pop culture news yeah stranger things very popular program um on netflix on Are the you, netflix have you watched the new third season i have and we talked about this before we started rolling but I have not finished the whole season because, believe it or not, I am not, like, a huge fan of binge-watching. Sure. And it might just be, like, that I don't have a long attention span, so I can't sit <laughs> for eight hours straight to binge a whole season. But I have gotten up to, like, episode four. Yeah, so halfway through. Yeah. I think that's when uh, Eleven kicks Billy's ass all over the public yeah, pool yeah. and, like, swings Eleven his body back and forth. Eleven does spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Uh, whatever. It's been, it's been a wink. <laughs> In today's culture, you haven't watched it. Yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, uh, I finished it last night. Cool. Um, that's to say, I think you're, it, it is a nicely emotional finale. Like, yeah. the, 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 that show I've had a weird relationship with, it's, I mean, it's good. I can't not say it's good. Mm -hmm. um, it's, like, I, I'm, I'm never sure if it's like, is this like a, a kind of a cheery surface level indulgent 80s pastiche or do they actually want to go deeper and like explore characters mm. and kind of have bigger themes and stuff I, I feel like it's kind of it's walking this line a lot of the time yeah I, I think that with the Duffer Brothers it's like they really 
are like driving on that 80s nostalgia mm -hmm. which is not something that i know about personally so I mean, i'm i'm not really there I for know the nostalgia i know i'm like a lot older than you it's not me either i know yeah. i wasn't something in the 80s <laughs> but yeah it's it's kind of weird because this is a show where i've just felt like i'm obligated to watch it like oh gee stranger things is back got to turn it on and watch it <laughs> i I did enjoy it. Yeah. Like, I, I do enjoy watching I, I will it. I, say I think that it's well, well done. Yeah. I think it's well acted. I think, you know, they, they clearly have passion for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I have uh, enjoyed it. But I don't know. There's something a little rote ish about it. Because, I mean, it is literally, in many ways, a retread of, like, Red Dawn. And, yeah. Uh, you know, the Goonies and yeah. other 80s things. Yeah. Bring all the alien and all those Gotta references. Have to ET, yeah. yeah. I mean, I do kind of like being able to point out, maybe it's just like being a film buff and saying, mm -hmm. oh, that is like this sort of reference, like I said, alien or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I do think that this season they have really brought in a compelling storyline. All they, they had have. to say was Russians. And it's like, oh, you know, you can already draw that comparison to today because we're dealing with Russians. I, I didn't so. think it was weird how, like, it kind of came back around. Yeah. Like, they were the villains in the 80s. Yeah. And then for a while they weren't. But, I mean, yeah, I guess History not like mine again. itself. So. <laughs> it is it is yeah. fits perfectly that there would be evil Russians as they oh, say yeah. in the show. Yeah. And then I enjoyed it. I did. I do also like uh coming from my old culture's background, the whole like Max and Eleven relationship. Yes. Because for a while it's just been a boys club, but it's kind of nice to see someone be like, you know what? Boys suck. And <laughs> Just burping and eating chips all day, you know. Don't worry. That was about funny. Them. They like visit them in their psychic vision. And they're just like burping. It's an episode of South farting. Park. Yeah. She walked in on. <laughs> uh, but I think that was uh, something really nice to have. To be like, okay, girls are involved in this too. Eleven is not alone. She has somebody who she can talk to. As I mean, Max isn't a great mother figure, but I mean, she needs somebody else like, in her life. Not the yeah, like the best advice. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, she's I mean, 11 Hopper or whatever. I mean, Hopper is her dad, yeah. so to speak, so that's not the best advice either. No, she's like, you know. I mean, they also added, I, I like the new character, Robin, who, who's Uma Thurman's yes, daughter. Yes, and Ethan Hawke's daughter. Yeah, who, by the way, later on, like, I totally can't stop seeing it. Like, her voice gets, totally goes Uma Thurman out. Oh. And uh, Erica Lucas' sister. So they really, they add on more female cast members. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I think it's purposeful. Like, I think they looked at it and said, like, we have to balance this out. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah, for sure, yeah. Uh, and just the whole Scoops troop. Is that who they are? Sure. Steve and They do have such Dustin. humor. Like, it's pretty funny that they're in their uniforms the entire time. I did enjoy that. Uh, and Steve, as someone said, with his one brain cell, <laughs> God bless him, he's trying. And they definitely made him a better character from season one. I, just, I hated Steve in season one. I was like, I don't really like this guy. But I love him so much more now because he's the mom character. Yeah, he, he does make a good babysitter type. Yeah. And as Terry says, Stranger Things film right here in Atlanta. Excellent. That's right. If you look on com, we have a story by one of our brilliant writers who actually found some locations in Atlanta, if you want to visit them, that were actually, you know, double for Stranger Things set. So that's oh, something to look cool. out for. I mean, any other thing, you, uh, opinions you have, Mia, about Stranger Things, San Diego Comic Con, Game of Thrones, anything at all? Do I have any opinions? Hmm. <laughs> Final thoughts. I'm sure you have opinions. Final Maybe thoughts. I phrased that poorly. Um. Uh. Yeah. 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 So I'm happy to be here. Obviously. Yeah. I am super excited to hopefully report back in one way or another yeah, what that. I'm doing for Comic Con. I will, even though I'm over on Fansided Entertainment, I will be writing for Culturist for Fansided. Um, 
for Comic-Con. And so, like I said, you can look out for my Good Place interviews. Fingers yes, crossed. I'm, I'm sorry about that, yeah. I also applied for Supernatural. So fingers crossed, I get to talk to Jensen Ackles, Jared Padalecki, mm -hmm. Misha Collins, all those people. So look out for that stuff. It's going to be really fun. Very cool. All right. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming here, Mia. Yeah. Uh, and now we will bring on fansighted.com editorial director Joshua Hill, who joins us for a series we like to call A Song of Dan and Josh, yeah. where we go through each and every chapter of George R. R. Martin's as yet unfinished fantasy magnum opus, A Song of Ice and Fire, and just break them down. What's good about them? What's bad about them? Makes them work. It makes them interesting. Why should you be reading? Why should you be interested? What's the meat of this? The literary meat. And right now we are in Clash of Kings, Tyrion Four, Joshua Hill, editorial yes. director, of fansided. How are you? I'm good. Hello, everybody. Hello. Who do we have with us? Julie, obviously. Oh, we, of course. We got Julie. We got Tara. We got Ismail. Hello to everybody. Uh, we got Roger Black. Did you wrap this book in bubble wrap? No, I found this when we were here? moving. Just like it was in the cabinet. I mean, I understand and I'm like, it's oh, precious sweet. cargo, but... Although, I mean, it is to be fair. Uh, and Julie says hi. Hello. To be fair, um, my game, my last book, A Game of Thrones, the one we read, was so ragged was by the end of it. Beat up. It's gone. I mean, I, yeah. I don't have it anymore. It's Did you have like hard. a little funeral for it? That's stupid. It's a book. I don't know. Because <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm imagining like a Viking funeral, but then we're burning books, and I don't really think we should be doing that. I don't think what... <laughs> <laughs> a funeral for you. Did I light the book on fire? Yeah. No, there are too many um, signals with that. No, I didn't. I did buy a new <laughs> one, and now I have a Clash of Kings. Yeah. Okay. And we read Tyrion 4, right? 4, yeah. yeah. And this might be a little patchy, because frankly, I read it a bit ago, because then we didn't have one last week, and now the notes come out all weird. But this is kind of like a, a peak Tyrion chapter, I think. This is... It's meaty. There's a lot there. Yes. Yeah, so what, 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 what were your impressions, Josh, of Tyrion um, 4? We're, we're in King's Landing. Stannis is on his way, but isn't there yet. No. Tyrion's trying to manage the chaos. And it stuck out in that these last couple chapters that we've read, I mean, we've noted they've kind of not, a whole lot has gone on. It's just very small progression of the plot. And this one, it felt like the tr we're back in the old school. This is Game of Thrones. Like, yeah, this is Tyrion's this is politicking totally all over. Stuff, he's yeah. going, he's with Pycelle, and then he's Cersei, and then he's like, well, we Little can't. Littlefinger, Varys. Yeah, especially Littlefinger. And he goes from being like, no, we can't, you know, Ty we can't have Tywin bring the army here because, like, look, it's not going to work. And then he's marrying off children and or setting up arranged marriages for power. And Dorne is mentioned here in a pretty significant way. The veil comes into it, yeah. Yeah, so it felt like we're back to the game. We're back to the politics of this. And it's not, we're, you know, a pseudo-horror film chapter where Arya's hiding in a barn or we've got some, like... You know, little detail things going on. It felt like we're definitely moving towards something. And again, it, it's a flex on Tyrion on how much control he has over just about everything here. Where we've got all of these moving pieces, he fe it feels like he's very much in control totally. of what's going on. This is a fun chapter because it's, it's Tyrion at work and kind of making it look easy. Mm -hmm. Like, it's also interesting that he doesn't really... That it, we don't really know what he's getting at exactly for a lot of it. Like, the chapter is mainly him talking to Pycelle... And he gives Pycelle a letter. Mm -hmm. basically and stealing says, a potion, too. He's, he, he's totally steals a potion. Which, I don't remember if that does come <laughs> back or not. I think the stealing a potion from Pycelle's store thing, my guess is, so when Joffrey dies, we have, like, he, he's, you know, he, he's, he's trying to arrange a murder mystery board. Mm -hmm. 
like give someone like a little bit of motive for everything yeah. or means or you know uh, opportunity. Yeah. And you can come back to it later. So again, this guy plans ahead. So he's thinking because I can't think of anything else. Why else are we still damn potion from my little stores? I don't know. Anyway, he goes by sell a letter, and he says, like, you know, don't look inside this, but mail it to Dorn immediately, knowing full damn well Pycelle is going oh, to yeah. look. <laughs> and he, uh, the idea is he's going to, all he knows is he's going to go to Dorn. Then he goes to Littlefinger and says, I want to marry, oh, God. It's Marcella? Marcella. Marcella to... Uh, it's a little different in the show, so I, I, I try to get it straight here. Marcella to Robin Aaron, mm-hmm. that little... Creepy cat. Ass weasel who, um, you know, breastfeeds at the age of 13 or whatever. And then the letter is actually off him offering Marcella to Dorn. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, whichever one of these jack weasels tells Cersei, I will know who I'm behind my back and mm-hmm. betrayed me, and then I can punish them oh, for yeah. it. So he's telling different things to different people. And he even has Varys, though. Like, Varys thinks that... He's going to offer Tommen to one of the Marcel to the other. So Tyrion is... He's got a web here. Playing the game. Yeah, oh, he, yeah, he is spinning a, a web. Mm-hmm. He is building lies upon lies upon lies, plots on plots on plots, schemes on schemes. And he's doing it... And, I mean, and he's having a good time. Oh, he's, yeah. And he's doing it pretty well. And as we know from the show, this does work. Mm-hmm. Pycelle rats him out to Cersei. Yep. And then he puts Pycelle in a dungeon. Because that, that is what he's here for. Tywin told him, go down there, make sure those idiot advisors who are advising Joffrey are in line... <laughs> Picel, the eunuch, the one with the beard who has the money, the little finger. Mm-hmm. And so this is him doing what his dad told him. He is trying to suss out if there are any weak links. And I guess Picel is the weakest link of the people who are there. So, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, like you said, Tyrion at his finest. It like, really this is. is. This is like this is what he's good at. I imagined it. I was recapping it in my head. Mm-hmm. And I imagined because it's a very brisk chapter. There's a lot that happens, but it seems like it's a very... It moves at a quick clip. It's like one of those. Like, yeah, it does. I imagine it is like one of those West uh, West Wing scenes where it's like the walk and talks. We're just going down the hallway, and right. Tyrion's like, "Oh, I get this potion here." It's like, "No, we can't have the armies come out here." It's, "Oh yeah, we were marrying him off to uh, uh, Robin Aaron." It's like, "No, actually, we're marrying him off to Dorne." It's like, "Oh, Varys, let me tell you about my plan." And it's like this whole thing, and I don't know. It, it felt very different from the chapters that we've read, and it's intentional. But it once again, and I almost liked it more because it's pushed up against these other kind of not a lot yeah, happens totally. chapters to where it's like okay now very, very different tones. yeah not only is there meat to it but it's a reminder that Tyrion is just a wizard yeah like, he's good at the stuff and I, honest to god i feel like we kind of lost that as the show went on a little bit mm-hmm. like he just didn't have that kind of moment of Tyrion being good at his job and doing smart he stuff he got sad he got sad he just and got, he kind of got kind ineffective of mopey. yeah although in this part of the show they did the, I mean, they did the scene really really well it was a montage on the show yeah. Of him telling one thing to Varys, one thing to Littlefinger, one thing to Pycelle. And like, so we all knew it was different. It, it's, it's more obscured here. Mm-hmm. I think it almost worked better on the show. And it was definitely well, quick. Yeah. But yeah, it was just, it's, it's just, it's just good stuff. It's fun. Because you know someone's going down. You know he's lying. You know, it's just fine to kind of puzzle out his schemes. Um, we also get more on the thread of, even though Tyrion's doing a good job, people hate him. Yeah. Like, the, although... It's not really, it's not totally his fault. So last week, last during chapter, we had this bit where he wants the goldsmiths to make a chain, mm-hmm. but Cersei told him to make armor oh, yeah. and stuff, and whoever they choose to follow, the other one's going to be mad. So it's like the people, no wonder they hate him. They really can't win. Mm-hmm. And here there's a bit about there's riding in the streets. They're taking over the bakehouses because people can't get fed. And Tyrion refuses to meet with the people who are protesting. 
reasoning that what they want to do is see Joffrey. And like, if I send him to Joffrey, he'll probably just have them all killed. And there is some great comedy in here where he's trying to deal with all this, and Joffrey is like shooting rabbits in the courtyard <laughs> and missing, which is just, just really funny. Like, that's, the, that, that, that's what our fearless leader is doing um, up in the halls of power. The just buffoon who just can't do around. anything right. Yeah, no thinking he's being, like, the baddest ass there ever is. And everyone else is like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Which, again, worked in the juxtaposition against Tyrion doing all of these things, actually getting things done, yeah. actually moving pieces. And you have Joffrey out in the yard just not knowing. Missing rabbits. I imagine him, like, cackling and laughing, too. Like, oh, yeah. some really just, like, Dipshit. pathetic thing. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, again, Tyrion doing a good job, but p- people not being able to see it. Because no. he points out, when people... When I say to them you can't see the king, they're not going to understand that as, and I'm saving you from probably being skewered for no, fun. Yeah. They're saying it as, oh, you're trying to silence me, are you? Like, you know, they're not going to, they don't know Tyrion. They're not going to do the, 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 the deep thinking. Yeah. So it gets us to this point where Tyrion is working really, really hard, but just nobody appreciates it. No, I mean, that's kind of at the core of Tyrion's character, too. He's yeah. a very... He's an influential character, and he's a very helpful character, Mm. and we like him. There's a reason that from basically the start, he's the only Lannister that we like. Totally. And we grow on Jaime over time and all that, and Cersei becomes uh, empathetic and all everything. But Tyrion from the start is a character that we've liked and we've enjoyed, so there is this kind of thanklessness to his entire existence. And there's a thanklessness to his job. That's, yeah. he's, he's not in a position where he can say, no, you can't see the king. And somebody's going to say, no, okay, thank you. It's, it comes with the territory. And he knows that. Yeah. And it doesn't mean he has to like it. But it also doesn't mean he can't go and do these very elaborate things. Because he's like, look, whether people thank me or not, whether people like it or not, it's going to have to get done. And I'm going to have to do it regardless. Yeah. He can't get no respect. He's a rugged Andrew Field of No Westeros. respect at all. No respect at all. So, and of course, that will lead other things online. But it'll lead to mm-hmm. his big trial blow-up thing yeah. where he's like, screw you guys, I am going <laughs> home, trial by combat, you never did it for you. That's where this is all going. And, that, and of course, he'll want to leave and like, why should I help you? I'm going to go join up with this dragon lady. Um, so that's like the meat of the chapter, but the, there's a lot of good grace notes in here. Mm. I liked um, his talk with Littlefinger probably the best because he's... Saying like, oh, you'll go to Elisa Aaron, you tell him that we want to marry Marcella to Robin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to Robin. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. What's in it for me? And uh, Tyrion offers him the castle of Harrenhal. And there's a really great bit where, like, Littlefinger is, is an implacable guy, right? Yeah. He doesn't want to give anything away, but he's very ambitious. And I like this bit where it was, Littlefinger took a moment to adjust the drape of his cape but Tyrion had seen the flash of hunger in those sly cat's eyes. Mm-hmm. I have him, he knew. So he, he managed to outplay Littlefinger. Yep. So, okay, yeah, Littlefinger's a sly jagweed, but he does want stuff. And if you, found, if you find the right lever, you can work him. Mm-hmm. And Tyrion finds a way to work him, which is great. I enjoy that, and he will be duped by this. He doesn't betray Tyrion, so he gets to stick around. But uh, he does. Oh, that, and, uh, That's Littlefinger's thing. Is... Julie, I am popping the bubble wrap. Um, should I stop? now? What, what, what are you doing? I'm taking it away from you, Dan, on Julie's orders. That wasn't an order. <laughs> There's I love no the more, bubble wrap. There's no more bubble wrap. I don't know why you aren't popular like crazy person. Uh, let's see what else we got. Cersei hates Tyrion, obviously. What did you think of the kind of subplot where Tyrion, I think, is leaving Pycelle, going to Littlefinger, and there's like a woman trying to get his attention, a lady 
Tonda Stokeworth. <laughs> There's this subplot where she's trying to set him up with her, I mean, today we would call it mentally challenged daughter, who is uh, Lolly Stokeworth, who's, who's, who's mentally disabled. They call her like soft and soft brains, words like that. I think that's what it's supposed to mean. I, that's the way I took it, yeah. And the idea here is that, again, it's, can't get no respect. It's Tyrion is doing really good work, is really smart, but people see him as this third stringer. Mm-hmm. Like, usually, you know, a, a trueborn Lannister wouldn't, would, would marry someone very important in mm. the society. They'd marry, like, you know, a Prince of Dorne or someone from the Vale or someone really high up. Not like, you know, the daughter that, obviously, she can't marry out to other people because who mm-hmm. would want to marry the disabled daughter? But this woman thinks that she can, okay, Tyrion's a dwarf. He'll have to settle for something. So we're going to get him to do this. Yeah. And, like, it's kind of funny because Tyrion, you know, Tyrion's like, oh, please, not her again. He just, like, avoid it. But it's also got some insight in there that that's how people see Tyrion. Well, yeah, that's the, I mean, every single, it seems like every single time Tyrion does something mm-hmm. productive or does something like this, it's very elaborate. And is he's outsmarting and outwitting mm-hmm. characters who are, you know, think they're higher on the food chain or think they're higher up than they actually are. Tyrion kind of puts them in check a little bit. And every time that happens, we're always reminded that, well, he's the imp. He's the, yeah. he's the, the unwanted child. He's the one that Tywin, you know, probably would have gotten the one that Cersei doesn't love. And Jamie mm-hmm. likes him. Jamie's but into him. Jamie, Jamie's into him because it's a brotherly thing. Cersei calls him a bunch of stuff. I mean, as usual. But we're always useless, reminded. We're, less than useless. Yeah. Constantly reminded that Tyrion is less than yeah. when he's so absolutely clearly probably the best sibling that there is. Oh, he's, totally. he's the smartest Lannister. But we're constantly reminded that he is this low thought of character in the eyes of the people at King's Landing. I mean, I thought this, this was a little unfair because it was kind of stepping on his touchdown dance a little bit because here Tyrion had this incredible chapter mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, okay. We get it, George. He's, he's the mean, imp. But, I mean, I mean it, it, had, it had its purpose. It served its purpose. So right. I, I absolutely get it. But. What's also interesting is that do you remember that somebody actually does marry Lolly Stokeworth on the no, show and the books? Bronn ends up marrying her. Of course, Bronn does. So, Bronn, so while Tyrion is kind of in this whole thing, like he, and this isn't a judgment about like who's desirable. Tyrion, in this system of government, he, where marriage is everything. As the son of the most powerful house in land, he's supposed to be kind of reserved for really, really powerful people. Yeah. Bronn is a gutter rat. Yep. <laughs> Although he is on the rise here. He made his personal guard. He has these days the cell, so was looking more almost respectable. His dark hair was washed and brushed. He was freshly shaved, and then the thing cut off the rest of the damn quote. Sorry. Jump printer. I know. I noticed that, too. I know. I don't know what happened. But uh, Bronn is... Like, Tyrion's trying to present to the world like he is as important as his mm-hmm. birth would demand. Bronn is born like he's a trash person, mm-hmm. but he's trying to get up there. He's trying to look respectable. He's a personal guard. And Bronn does eventually marry Lollies because while it would be a step down for Tyrion socially, it is a big step up for Bronn. Cersei arranges for him to marry him in exchange for Bronn not helping Tyrion during the trial. Mm. It does happen on the show, but they almost they mm. end it pretty quick. Oh, uh, because I was going to say, I don't remember that. Yeah, it wasn't at a all. subplot. It, it does, uh, I mean, she, it, it, and, and she is in the show. Okay. She's in one scene. She has some lines, but yet she's not a big character. But uh, she is a character. Well. On the books, he'll stay married. I mean, he's still married to her in the books. So I don't think they'll... I, don't, I think it'll go a different way. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a little interesting. You know, the uh, the social ladder part yeah. of the story as opposed to the 
Arya on the run part, and the Daenerys taking over the world part, and the uh, politicking part. Mm -hmm. Lots of different parts of this story. Yeah. Anything else, Josh, you want to say about Tyrion form? No, um, I agree with you. The uh, Tyrion Littlefinger exchanges were yeah, it was solid fantastic. Stuff. Yeah, they were good stuff. But and Varys too. Those two, those two scams. Well, it seems like there's a blueprint for these Tyrion chapters where Varys always comes in kind of at the end, and it's like here's everything that happened. Yeah, but now bit. he's using every single character as a puppet in his little play, though. So, which again, Tyrion even is Varys, the smartest because I mean yep. he doesn't know everything. He gets yep. the letter wrong. I mean, mm -hmm. even only slightly. Yeah. Which I like. Like, it's not, it's, like, Varys is good, but he's not, like, omnipotent. No. Like, he doesn't have to get everything right. Mm -mm. I mean, how could he see inside the sealed letter? I don't know, man. Anyway, next week, oh, uh, next week not we next are going to be off because we are moving offices. As Julie said, we should iron these. I did see them, I swear to God, they just still look He did. Greasy. I watched him do it. Yeah, we all watched me do it. Um... So yeah, next week we're off, moving offices. We'll be back the week after that with more Game of Thrones news, Song of and Fire discussion, genre news, exploration, and I think the first Sansa chapter? Or do we already have one? I think it's the first one. I don't think we've had one. Okay. Well, the first Sansa chapter, that from Clash of Kings. All right. In two weeks, we're going to off next week. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Have a lovely evening, a lovely fortnight, and we'll see you later. Bye.